Hi, this is Joel Hodson, the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio. Why don't you? <laughs> Kicking off episode 118 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Curse of Poseidon. It's from the band King Ghidra. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. You can find out more about them by looking them up on Facebook or go to ReverbNation.com slash King Ghidra Rock or follow the link in the show notes over at MonsterKidRadio.net. That's the website for this podcast, which is dedicated to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, Writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I want to welcome you back to Monster Kid Radio. Right off the top, I want to thank everybody who has been involved in Kyle Yount's Kickstarter campaign. We had him on episode 117 to talk about Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction, the documentary that he's trying to get off the ground, documenting his trip, the Big Godzilla Special Effects Exhibition, which is taking place in Japan. He's going to go there, he's in a documentary, and I'm saying he's going to because he's hit his gold. Now, as of the release of this podcast, it goes out on the 24th, there's still time for you to get involved and pledge to this campaign. In fact, you never know who's going to pull out of a Kickstarter at the last minute. You never know what kind of extra bennies that Kyle can add to this documentary, how many people are going to actually get paid to make this documentary. He did hire a camera crew after all. If you want to get involved in this documentary, Kickstarter program, I recommend you do so. Again, follow the links in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net or just go straight to hailtothekingdoc.com. Now, we talked with Kyle in the last episode of Monster Kid Radio, or as we're calling it this week, Kaiju Kid Radio, about his love of all things Godzilla, his past with the Kaiju cast, his fandom, and what he's got coming up with this documentary, which I can't wait to see. This time around, we're going to talk about another big green kaiju monster. Not Godzilla. This time, we're talking about Gamera. Now, if you've seen the cover art for this episode of Monster Kid Radio, you probably already knew that. And you might even know that we're not talking about the old Gamera. We're talking about the 1990s trilogy of Gamera films. Yeah, I know it's slightly outside of our window, but there's always a home. For giant Japanese monsters here on Monster Kid Radio. I don't care what era or what year they come from. Now, we're going to get to that here in a second. First, let me tell you a little bit about our website and what we do here at Monster Kid Radio. If you're a new listener, a first-time listener, checking out our podcast. If you are brand new, welcome. I hope you enjoy the stay. And if you're a long-time listener, well, welcome back. I hope you enjoy your stay. MonsterKidRadio.net is where you can find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Did you like King Ghidra? Well, click on Bands and Songs, and that's going to take you to a list of every band, every song that's appeared here on Monster Kid Radio. Every one of those bands has given us permission to play their music on our podcast. So if you do follow the link or buy one of their albums or check them out, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. You're also going to find a link to our Live 365 channel, which is our music station hosted by Live 365. There, you're going to find nothing but music and sounds from the classic movies that we talk about here on Monster Kid Radio. Now, Live 365 is an ad-supported service, so you do have to put up with some ads. A lot of them are from Progressive Insurance. But if you don't want to listen to the ads, you can always pay to become a VIP member over at Live 365. If you're going to do that, I only ask that you make sure you're logged into the Monster Kid radio page 
at Live365 because we get like a penny or two off of that. We also have links to other podcasts. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and add the KaijuCast permanently to our podcast and links page. We're also going to find a link to our Facebook group where people are having conversations about what we talk about and things that we sometimes don't talk about here at Monster Kid Radio between episodes on Facebook. And you're going to find our contact information, which I'll go over at the end of this show. I'll do that after I make a special announcement about something that's coming here to Monster Kid Radio sometime this summer. I'm excited. I hope you guys and gals are going to be excited about it. It's something I've been talking about for a long time. It's finally going to happen, and, well, we'll talk about that after we get done talking with Kyle about all things camera, which we'll do right about now. mentioned in the last episode to Kyle that King Kong versus Godzilla was the first Godzilla movie I sat down and watched start to finish, but I had watched a movie about a giant monster on Mystery Science Theater 3000 before, and I'm talking about Gamera. So I don't know if that really counts because it was on MST3K, but I had seen a giant monster movie before, and Kyle, you're actually a big fan of Gamera as well, aren't you? Uh, that's absolutely right. In uh, 1990, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in 1997 or 98. I have the website up. Yeah, I actually started the Shrine of Gamera. I was like probably the first collected information about the Gamera series. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Gamera. And you said Mystery Science Theater 3000. That actually, in my opinion, is a, a great introduction to Gamera because those movies were not the most serious and they were not the most. Oh, no. Themed. And so, uh, you know, taking the Mystery Science Theater 3000 approach with watching a Gamera film from that era is very similar to what would actually happen if you were in my house watching a movie like Gappa, the Trifibian Monster or Gilala, you know, with some of the less serious less, uh, let's say, fine-tuned kaiju films. Yeah, yeah, the Gamera series on Mystery Science Theater 3000, perfect introduction to the genre, too. You haven't updated the Shrine of Gamera in years, <laughs> but there's a picture of you <laughs> on the site. Now, I don't know if our listeners know what you look like now, but all the hair is on the bottom of your face. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you got a majestic beard. A majestic beard. And, ah, and you sure. don't blend in very well. I mean, you're really easy to spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, the picture of you on the Shrine of Gamera, um, I think you would blend in at a horror. Well, I don't know if you would or not, actually. I still see the tattoo, but no hair on the bottom, but it's all on top. <laughs> the funny thing about the tattoo, now, it's the first time I've looked at this photo in years, but uh, <laughs> the funny thing about that to me is, like, that was when I had barely any of my sleeves done. And so <laughs> it's like, not to mention I've got this crazy spiked hair. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that must've been probably about, uh, I'm going to say that was around the year of 2002 when that photo was taken, man, time <laughs> flies. <laughs> well, yeah. Gamera, there were what, seven, eight films to begin with. There were eight films. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Eight films in the Showa era. And then, uh, they had three films in the Heisei era. And then the fourth one, uh, sort of, in like 2006 or 2008. Yeah, 2006. Man, my memory is great on this stuff. I'm oh, yeah. I'm surprising myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Showa era, that's the goofy stuff with the Gamera March. And then the Heisei era, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, is the awesome series. And then even Gamera, the, the most recent Gamera film, Gamera the Brave or Gamera Little Braves, still a great film. Now, when I talked about having you on the show, 
you know, we wanted to talk about the Kickstarter campaign, which we did a couple of days ago on the last episode of Monster Kid Radio or Kaiju Kid Radio, as we're calling it this week. You mentioned wanting to talk about the Gamera films, and my response was, oh, it'll give me a chance to watch them again. I was watching them. It turns out I've never seen these movies. I don't know how I thought I had, but I, this was a first-time viewing for me. That's exciting, man, because yeah. I can nutshell it for you really quickly as far as how I got introduced to it. I was yeah. at the time... I was a big Godzilla fan, and this is the first Gamera film in the newer series. Came out in 1995, so it was at the very tail end of Godzilla's Heisei era. And so, the 1995 Gamera Guardian of the Universe actually came out before 1995's Godzilla vs. Destroya. And I actually didn't see it, and I had seen the old Gamera films before. And as much as I enjoyed them on MST3K. They're, you know, they're easy to dismiss in one way or another. So at the time, I didn't really think anything about it. I was like, oh, a new Gamera movie, big whoop. A buddy of mine brought it in to work, and he was like, hey, I got this through my, my girlfriend who works at a, it's a company that gets screeners and so forth. Handed it to me. I took it home, popped it in my VCR to date myself there. Popped <laughs> the VCR, and I was blown away at the quality of this film. They're amazing. I really found myself enjoying these movies and just zipped through them. And I know I'm going to go back and watch them again. You know, normally here in Monster Kid Radio, we try to stick to like the 30s to the 60s or 70s or all that. But I've also said in the past that giant rubber-suited Japanese monsters are always going to have a home on Monster Kid Radio. And these Gamera films were just amazing to me. I loved them. They really are. They stand out. In my opinion, saying that they stand out is not even coming close to how I feel about the films. In my opinion, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, Gamera 2 Advent of Legion, and Gamera 3 uh, Revenge of Virus, or whatever you want to say the subtitle is for that film, those three movies are the best kaiju films ever made. Like, as a trilogy. Wow. And I'm talking about technical skills as well, right? So okay. even, even the first film, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, it's really, really good for the time. I actually just watched it last yesterday, like I was saying. And some of the things don't hold up as well as I was hoping they would. But if you take that and then you say, okay, well, what's the next film, Gamera 2? That's leaps and bounds above the previous film. And then Gamera 3, again, leaps and bounds, technically, special effects-wise, above the previous film. It's just... It's a great series. It's a cohesive continuity, which I think is really fun. And it just really worked on the level of a giant monster film. I agree. I just recently, well, I've been going through the Sony releases of the Heisei Godzilla films, and I love the continuity in those films. And I found that same continuity happening in the Gamera films, and I just latched onto that. As a longtime comic book fan, you know, I, I'm a geek for continuity. So to see returning characters come in and seeing their stories continue in these Gamera films, it was a real treat. This was not Gamera is really neat, Gamera is full of meat. This was, you know, an amazing trilogy of films, and. I loved the journey that it took me on. I loved that we got to see the start of Gamera for this new series and kind of sort of how it ended. And it's just really fascinating to look at. And I think you're right in terms of technical. Mm -hmm. They really are firing on all cylinders here. And when I say they, it's not Toho. What's the studio that does Gamera? Well, at the time, it was Dae. Okay. Dae is another rival studio company from back in the day. It's one of the big names in, in Japanese cinema. But uh, what that ended up happening with Dae is when the film market crashed in Japan and TV was completely ruling, 
uh, Dae eventually had to go bankrupt. So them coming back with this series was actually very cool. Not only did they come back with the with Gamera movies, they sort of did what Toho never could do, which was gain the respect and popularity that they once had. Not only did they gain it, but they exceeded it, which is really, really quite amazing in my opinion. They're also responsible for the Daimajin series of films as well, which is another trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, as goofy as the as the Gamera series is from the 60s and, and 70s, the Daimajin is serious and awesome. Yeah, it is. You've seen the, have you seen those guys? I have, yeah. I picked them up on Blu-ray when they came out not too long ago. And, I mean, they're serious. I would not believe it was the same studio at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the series. In fact, I would say that, you know, it's unique because you get all these these monster movies that are set in present or just in the future. And then you get the Daimajin series, which is basically set in feudal Japan. And I absolutely love it. Yes. They also did the Yokai trilogy. Have you heard about that? No, I'm not familiar with that at all. Oh, next time you come over, man, I'll, I'll show you some stuff from the Yokai trilogy. Basically, Yokai is Japanese goblins and ghosts and creepy things. Oh, uh, they did the the series of movies that they use kaiju technology. You know, they have basically characters in rubber suits and uh, they, they play these yokai. It's a very interesting time in Japanese cinema. And I, I absolutely love those three films. They're very, very good on some levels. They're also very weird, too. So don't be expecting uh, don't be expecting American style special effects and and storylines. This is the, some weird, weird, weird visual stuff too going on with these films. Japanese and weird cinema. Who would have thought of it? I know. I know. Right? You're blowing my mind. They they do go hand in hand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna make a note of that because that sounds like something one I need to check out, but two maybe even talk about on the show with you down the line because that sounds fascinating. Oh, I would love to. I've actually done a few episodes of the Kaiju Cast that are yokai specific, so I'll send you links to those. Fantastic. We'll put links in the show notes over at MonsterKidRadio.net for that as well. Now the Gamera Guardian of the Universe it came out in '95, so this is after Godzilla started back up with their Heisei films with Godzilla 1985 and so on. I did notice some similarities mm-hmm. between the two outside of the obvious giant rubber suited monster. There's the connection between the human character and and the kaiju, the the yeah. psychic link. Was that an intentional thing, do you think? Or have you heard, was that an intentional lifting from the Godzilla Heisei? Or was that just in the culture? Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I don't actually know the, the correct answer to that question. But I, what I will say is that in the Gamera film, and especially this first in the trilogy, there are a lot of very, very rehashed kaiju tropes going on. Uh, you've got the guy who wants to save the gauss because he thinks it's a rare you know rare species and you know someone saying at the very beginning of the film someone saying oh we're carrying all this dangerous dangerous plutonium let's hope we don't run aground (laughs) and the next thing that happens is they run aground so exactly uh you know there's i think at this point they were trying to create something that maybe hearkened to what people already knew so it wasn't too much of a stretch and then when it did well, that's when they were able to like really branch out and do uh, expand on the characters, expand on the mythos, and expand on what makes this series unique. Uh, because the first film, even though yes, it's a very it's a very good film, it's a solid kaiju entry as well. If you were to watch the Gamera '95 film and that's it, 
then you probably would think, oh, you know, that's that's cool. It was good. It was a good, solid kaiju film. Nothing, nothing really, really to write home about. But it's what they did after it that really stands out to me. How so? Obviously, Gamera is fighting Gauss, and that's another monster that has already appeared in the Gamera series from 1967's Gamera versus Gauss. Sure. So they rebooted it just like they did in many of the Godzilla films. So like, especially in the Heisei era, you know, you've got seven films, I believe. And out of those seven films, half of them have rebooted characters. Yeah. And, I mean, Mothra shows up, Ghidra shows up, Rodan shows up. Yeah. So they're all, yeah, but they're that, all for the first but, time in that series, even though we as fans who have them on DVD have already, Right. So that, there's a trope, right? So you, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're rebooting Gamera with a, and bringing back a classic villain. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing. You know, another thing is, like I was saying, that you've got these just things that happen. They are typical monster fashions that happen. You've got, like I said, you've got the, the ship captain who says, uh, hopefully nothing will go wrong. And then something, but of course. Wrong. Yeah. But some of the cooler things that they did. Is you never really understood where Gamera was from. There was never an origin story in the previous series in the 60s. But in this new series, they have gone all out with writing an, an origin story for not just Gamera, but also Gauss as well. And it just, to me, they made a solid kaiju film that fits within whatever you would know as a kaiju fan. Like, say, yes. This adheres to the rules of what makes a good kaiju film. Mm-hmm. And then they started putting in more things that take it in a different direction and make things a little more fantastical as opposed to science fiction. They do add like the Atlantis connection. And, you know, in Gamera 3, we learned that this isn't necessarily the first Gamera. There's, there's a really creepy scene, actually. And I know we're kind of skipping ahead and maybe even spoiling a little bit, but at the very beginning of Gamera 3, they find that Gamera graveyard underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. This is, but this is what I'm talking about. They're, they start off this, this trilogy with something that seems very familiar to a kaiju fan. You know, you see this first movie, and if you didn't watch the rest of them, you might just say, oh, yeah, that was good. You know, that was fine. But if you go and you watch the next film and then the next film, it creates this chain of uh, mythos that, that builds. And by the end of the last film, I honestly feel that you're rooting for Gamera more than you did in the first film, more than you did in the second film. It's just honestly blew me away as, as a fan. You know, I know maybe it even cheapens him as a monster, but at the end of Gamera 3, he's really humanized. The character in the movie that has a psychic connection isn't the only one who's thinking what Gamera's thinking by the time the movie's done. We're all there in his head. We're all there on Team Gamera solid. Yeah, definitely Team Gamera. I am a member (laughs) for life. (laughs) Now, I was a little shocked by something that I did see in Gamera 3. Tentacles? Iris, I'm so hot, and then start up unbuttoning your shirt? I, I don't. Yeah. What is that? Okay, so <laughs> I mean, we can make jokes about Japanese, you know, anime and and manga and tentacle. So, but yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, <laughs> here's another thing I I'm don't dancing around it. answer for you. <laughs> if there was one thing that the kaiju fandom was taken aback by and did not embrace, so to say, was the joining of Iris and Ayana in the third film. And I gotta say, like, <laughs> it's not, it's not something that I, 
I know the answer to because it's not something that I ever really wanted to find out what the deal was there. <laughs> I really, you know, honestly, you know, Shusuke Kaneko, the director of these films, he's very, very talented. And uh, he's very good at directing not just the entire film itself, but really getting performances out of the actors. So I give him a lot of credit when it comes to these films. And uh, and I've met Kaneko in, in person. He's a very nice man. He's got this sort of vibe going through the entire series where he's playing on emotional strings that feel very realistic. And then in this film, the third film, you get this connection between Ayana and Iris. And it's very similar to the connection between Gamera and Asagi. And so to me, it's it started off very similar and then it sort of moved into a direction that I didn't really get. But the overall feel behind it was something that I did still understand. She wanted revenge. Um, but the tentacle thing, <laughs> I will say that, thank God, it didn't go further than it did with with what we saw. I don't know if it would have ever done that. Like, no, it's not something that I think w- I know for a fact, like doesn't belong in these kind of movies, you know, uh, but maybe he did it to appease a certain aspect of things. And the uh, in Japan, because they have a very, very different way of going about their <laughs> <laughs> their entertainment than we do but i sure yeah i don't i don't even really care to hazard a guess as to why that that went down the way it did because it's kind of an awkward scene and i think it's just worth mentioning it doesn't necessarily ruin the film at all i mean it's just one teeny tiny bit it didn't ruin it for me in no. the in the least really it just stood out I actually, I mean, some might call me naive or, you know, say that I've got blinders on, but I actually look at that scene in Gamera 3 and I think positive things about it. Like, okay, well, this is less about the Japanese fascination for tentacles and more about <laughs> how the relationship between Ayana and Iris has built and turned it itself into a weapon essentially. So that joining that they have, I choose to think that there wasn't anything fetishy about it. And it was more about the creature that Iris was and Ayana's desire to see Gamera dead for what uh, she feels Gamera did to her family. So it's, it's less about the, the creepy factor to me. And I just have literally chosen to like, brush past the creepiness of it and and go into like okay i get it but i don't really get it (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned that gamera may have been responsible for her death and that's one thing about gamera 3 as well that kind of stood out for me between uh, of the three films is that gamera 3 subtitle really could have been gamera 3 collateral damage um gamera causes a lot of damage in this film i mean you don't see it nearly as much in the first two films but in part three there's a lot of civilian death yeah, there's a, a lot of things that I, I love about this series is they, like I said, that very first film, it's very similar, very familiar to kaiju fans. It's very, mm-hmm. in fact, when Gamera takes off, it's just a steam that comes out of his legs. And when they move to the next film, you actually see an entire city completely obliterated by this alien life form, uh, Legion, that comes to Earth. And then the next step of that is to actually show the people. And I think for me, you know, I got to see Gamera 3 in the theater in 1999. 
Oh man, that would have been awesome. It was at the Egyptian and it was for G Fest. Oh like, man. And I was absolutely blown away. Nothing about the film made me go, oh, that was weird, especially the Ayana part. But like seeing the people being caught up in the fireball, yeah, blowing through the city, like I actually mentally cheered. Oh my gosh, that's something we've never seen before, ever, ever, ever. I mean, we've seen some death and destruction in in Godzilla films before, but never on a on an individual personal level that was so impactful. Right. That was a positive for me, you know, and I don't give the credit, I don't give the film any less of a star rating for for doing that. It's really, it was very powerful because I love the way they did it. It's unfortunate for the characters that it happened to, but the way it's done and the way it's portrayed, you see the individual bodies getting taken up into the flame. It's, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's a beautiful image. I mean, it's a terrible image, <laughs> but it really... Beautifully terrible, yes. Yeah, yeah, it really kind of ups the ante here. I think you're right. When you go into the first film, it's easiest to just say, you know, this is a kaiju film, this is what we know, and then these films just take us on a journey and go further off script. If there is some sort of master kaiju script, they go further off script as they go along. I really enjoyed I think of the three, my favorite is the second one. Yeah, you know, I got to say, like, the second one is still probably the most enjoyable to me because it still has that kaiju flavor to it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a very, you know, it's a kaiju film, but it does some really different things. In fact, before Pacific Rim came out, the Mercury asked me if I wanted to write an article that was sort of like a primer that says, here's some, you know, five films you really should see if you want to understand what kaiju films are all about. And I actually did choose Gamera 2. And I said something along the lines of, while I know I'm dropping you into the middle of a trilogy that has a cohesive continuity, I don't think you're going to be lost if you do this. And the only thing this movie suffers from, the only thing, in my opinion, that that film suffers from is that sort of like, I bet you weren't expecting this attack, you know, at the very end. <laughs> but aside from that, Gamera 2 is so good. And I could probably, I mean, I definitely can do an entire episode on Gamera 2. <laughs> oh, I, I love the villain in that. I love Legion. The the giant Legion, the way it looks, the way it moves, man, it's just an impressive beast. Have you seen how that monster was actually created? I'm hoping it's on the special feature on my Blu-ray. Ooh, I think it might be, but it's a two-person costume. Wow, okay. It's really, really different. I mean, speaking just to the level of like going and branching out and doing things that no one else had done before, the Legion creature, the reason I feel that it uh, looks so otherworldly is because there's no way you look at that and say, that's a man in a suit. But it actually was two people in a suit. You know, one person is facing forward with the Legion head sort of around where their head is, and they're controlling the little spindly arms on the side. And the um, I think the giant pincers on the front and then the second person is actually facing the opposite direction facing backwards and their legs and arms are controlling the back legs of legion and they're sort of on their back yeah it's really amazing wow yeah i spent a lot of time looking at it and trying to figure out where the person was in that suit and then eventually just gave up because i love those little spindly arms along the sides they kind of come in like an alien face hugger i mean it just it looks great yeah, I I love Legion. In fact, uh, there's uh, you've been in my room. You've seen that I have a, a collection of uh, high-end Godzilla items, and every once in a while, I will actually see something like a very 
I know, for lack of a better term, a very expensive but well-produced Legion representation. And it's very hard for me to not click the add to cart button. <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful creature design. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. I bet the sculpt on one of those figures would be amazing just to... I, don't know, I want one. I want one now, knowing that there might be one out there that actually this is probably a bad thing. Knowing that there might be one out there, I would love to have one because it just the creature design alone is amazing on that. And I love the creature design of Gamera too. I mean, Gamera is not the Gamera that I was used to with, you know, Joel and the robots cracking jokes. Oh, yeah. They never call him a turtle, but he still evokes that kind of tortoise look. He's got the hard shell on the back. I want Gamera. I'm on Team Gamera now. I mean, these movies have really converted me. That's awesome, man. Like I said before, these movies, this trilogy, it just stands apart from the other movies. And there's something that I think works in this trilogy that the Godzilla series never really tapped into. And I don't know exactly what it is. Just sitting there as an audience member goes, the Gamera series has it. I'm trying to think now, which one do I like better? Because I really, really liked the the Heisei Godzilla films. I even like Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, as goofy as it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, now there is something here. You mentioned that it still has some of the familiar kaiju touchstones. There's still the environmental message. There's still the, you know, we're messing up the planet, and that's why Gamera's doing this and the Gauss are doing that. So, I mean, there's still that there, but it's not heavy-handed until the very end. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. I mean, we get a message but it's not, uh, you don't get browbeaten with it. And I love the way they tie it into the mythos where they say, oh, this happened already. All of this happened before. You know, we're just going through the motions again because this is the nature of humanity, essentially. You know, we're destined to break this planet. And because we're doing that, these creatures come about and, you know, it's Gamera's job to stop it from happening. And actually, just to throw this out there, because I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard it from a lot of different people. The new Godzilla film is very evocative of the 90s Gamera films because Godzilla absolutely stands up, blocks some missiles from hitting a school bus. So he's protecting these children. And then he's restoring balance, which is essentially what Gamera's job is. In the, in the Gamera yeah. I did pick up on that, and I was going to ask you about that as well, and, and make sure it wasn't just me kind of reaching and looking. But yeah, there's a lot of things that happened in the recent Godzilla film that I see shades of in this Gamera series. I mean, I know Godzilla over the years has been portrayed as the savior of mankind, you know, before. It wasn't something that was brand new for the 2014 film, but it was really obvious in these Gamera films that Gamera is kind of our boy you know he's our champion and i really felt like the filmmakers of the new godzilla film may have taken something from this yeah and there's another aspect of that too which is gamera's job isn't to protect humanity it's to protect the earth yeah the planet the overall yeah yeah he's not yeah he's the guardian of the planet you know and and so uh that's why as you get further into the trilogy gamera he ends up actually forsaking some of humanity in order to save the actual planet. This is why people die in the aftermath of him flying away or mm-hmm. the giant fireball as he's trying to kill the Gauss in, in the middle of the Shinjuku. I think that was really cool because Gamera went from friend of all children, yeah. to guardian of the universe or, you know, guardian of the earth. And then you get to see this progression through those three films of 
And actually, I think at the end of the at the end of the second one, the main character says something very similar to that. She just kind of says like, oh, yeah, Gamera is not here to protect humans, you know, and, and this is going to happen again if we keep this up kind of thing. Yeah, she says that, and then the guy says, well, I guess we better stop polluting the planet then, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah you think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up the children, too, because even though this is kind of a new series, especially in Legion and Gamma 2, there is, at least I felt, a conscious effort on the on behalf of the filmmakers to really kind of tie into that history a little bit. While Gamera's, uh, he's not dead, he's not sleeping, he's just you know, recovering, I guess, and all the kids are around watching him. Why won't Gamera wake up? You know, there's a little bit of that in there to kind of maybe evoke some of the history, but it's still not a kid's film at all. These are great monster movies, period, whether you're a kaiju fan or not. I mean, there's a lot in here to enjoy. I was watching the film yesterday, the first of the three with my with my girlfriend, as I said, and the spot where Gauss is approaching the village on the island and uh, the dog is barking at it, and then all of a sudden, oh wow! The chain holding the dog like gets ripped from its post. I was like, yeah, this isn't necessarily for little kids. <laughs> no, no. I think that was my first wow moment when I was watching this whole thing. Yeah, for and sure. this series just continued to deliver. I love these films, man. I'm glad you recommended that I watch these and we talk about them here on the show because they were amazing. You know, a lot of people dismiss Gamera, even Godzilla fans. They say, oh, really, should I watch the Gamera series from the from the 90s? And I, I want to just shake them and say, yes, absolutely. You are doing yourself a disservice if you like giant monster movies by not watching these films. And especially now that they're so readily available, it's just, a, in my opinion, it's a no-brainer to, to pick them up and, and enjoy them. Was it uh, Mill Creek that put these out? Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, Mill Creek's known for the budget sets, the 50 movies on 12 discs, you know, all public domain stuff or whatever, but they've been really kind of stepping it up when it comes to putting out some really nice Blu-rays. And I mean, their camera set, it's affordable and it's amazing uh, to me. I mean, I, I get to watch these movies now in a great picture as opposed to, I don't know, had they been released before? Yes. These came out on DVD by a company called ADV Films. Okay. And for a long time, they were available and readily available. But then, as with most kaiju releases, the market sort of dries up and the discs essentially go out of production. And something happens and people say, oh, I really want this movie. You can't get it. And the people that do have it decide to charge a ridiculous premium for it. So they'll... Yeah. Like at one point, the movie was going for like over a hundred dollars. You know, Gamera Three was selling for over a hundred dollars on on Amazon. I just that's I hate that so much. So it's always a breath of fresh air to me when I see a company say, "Yeah, we're going to put this out, and it's going to be cheap." You know, the, and and the fact that it was like what I got the trilogy on Blu-ray. I want to say for less than ten dollars. You wouldn't know that these these discs are super cheap because they do have some cool stuff on them, but Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, you're right though. No, I was going to say Amazon right now 788. Two Blu-rays, three movies, some special features, some movies that definitely have the Monster Kid Radio stamp of approval, and obviously the Kaiju Cast stamp of approval, and the Sound of Gamera stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Didn't Mill Creek just recently put out some of the older Gamera films? They struck a deal to release the films on. DVD and Blu-rays. I don't remember the names of them because I personally am not 
purchasing them because I already have the DVDs and I have these uh, the Heisei series Blu-ray stuff. But they've got them on these collection discs. So I think there's like the Ultimate Gamera Collection. For somebody who loved these films, what what kind of warning can you give me if I were to go back and watch these all straight? Oh man, completely different vibe. Yeah, <laughs> vibe. I mean, it's not even. We're not even in the same ballpark or the same galaxy. I'm going to try and nutshell this as closely as I can. So the original series started in 1965, right? Uh-huh. Uh The Invincible, as it was released here in the states, came out. Absolutely, this was Dae's attempt at cashing in on the kaiju phenomenon. They said, look at what Toho's doing. We want a piece of that action. So they started Gamera. And then that did pretty well. So they did another movie, Gamera vs. Barugan, which they put a lot of effort into to make it less of a kid's movie. Not that the first one was a kid's movie, but the, to make it a serious entry into the kaiju genre. It didn't do so well, but it's still a very serious and very solid entry. And then when it didn't do so well, they brought back Noriaka Yuasa, the guy who uh, directed the first film. And he directed basically every single Gamera film until uh, at least until Gamera Super Monster. I don't know if he did that one or not. I could find out very very quickly. Well, technically, uh, he did a lot of Gamera Super Monster because that's just a bunch of stock footage anyway, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so they did these movies and basically... When they did uh, Gamera versus Gauss, which is the movie we're covering this month on the Kaiju cast, oh, uh, nice. that movie went back to the you know entertainment for children, and then from there on out, it just was really made for kids. Like by the time you hit Gamera versus Giron in 1969, you're absolutely abandoning any any hope of like just entertaining adults who happen to be there with their kids. I'm pretty sure. People were just like, okay, here you go, Timmy. Go watch the, or here you go, Kenny, I should say. Here you go, watch the movie. <laughs> uh, and then that's how that, that, that went down. And when Dae went bankrupt and they came back, like, they just completely, like, reboot is the, the probably best term you could use for the Gamera series in the 90s. It's completely different. You get some, like, little touches, little homages, like, Gamera does hold his hand up and protect a kid from getting hit by Gauss's beam. Uh, all the kids sort of rally around Gamera and their collective hopes that Gamera is still alive resurrects him in uh, in the second film. It's just there are little touches that refer back to the original series, but not even close. I mean, every everything in the old series uh, is a kid's film where the kids are the ones that are the heroes and all the adults do stupid things and never believe that anything that they say it's, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these, these Gamera films seem to take a more serious approach to... Way more serious. I mean, even more so than the Heisei Godzilla films. It feels more realistic to me. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. And these were amazing. And we're about to run out of time because I know you've got some other things to do. And we've been going for about a couple hours now here on Monster Kid Radio. Kyle, I want people to be able to find you online. KaijuCast.com. Yes. And you mentioned you've got a camera film coming up. It's twice a month you do the show. That's uh, usually we do the show twice a month. Yeah. So the um, the first episode will be uh, like I said, it's a it's a conversation or an interview, and then the second episode is our Daikaiju discussion. And so Gamma versus Gauss is our our Daikaiju discussion for that. And if for some reason one of your listeners listened to this and they wanted to submit a homework, uh, which is submit their own review thoughts, questions, and reviews for this film. 
they would need to do it before the 25th. Times of the essence. So get on that now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I could talk to you about giant monster movies for hours, and I think we've got to do that at some point. We've got to have you back on the show, uh, maybe do a recording in person at some point, you know, something, because I want to keep the kaiju flavor alive here on Monster Kid Radio. It's been too long since I've talked about giant monsters with somebody who knows them as well as well. Yeah, I mean, you're the only person who knows them as well as you do. So, I mean, it's been a long time since I've talked to you. I mean, it's been too long. I, I do like being the local guru around here. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Definitely. So, kaijucast.com. And if you feel like going back in time, go to the Shrine of Camera. A couple of things real quick. The Daikaiju discussion over at the Kaiju Cast. The deadline for that is the 25th, which is actually the day after this podcast is released. Go learn more about the Daikaiju discussion and the Daikaiju homework that they do over at the Kaiju Cast at kaijucast.com. If you get involved in the Daikaiju discussion and you send them an email, well, let them know that you heard about it here on Monster Kid Radio. Also, don't forget, check out the Hail to the King 60 Years of Destruction documentary project on Kickstarter. Yeah, Kyle's made his goal, but that doesn't mean you still can't pick up some sweet perks. Go back and listen to the last episode of Monster Kid Radio to hear all about them, or follow the link in the show notes at monsterkidradio.net to get to the Kickstarter campaign and check them out for yourself. Kyle, congratulations, man. This is exciting. You deserve all your success here, man. I cannot wait to see the documentary and have very safe travels. I can't wait to hear all about it. If you want to pick up any of the movies that we've talked about here on Kaiju Kid Radio or Monster Kid Radio, especially the Kaiju films, remember we've got that link to Amazon over at monsterkidradio.net. Takes you to the Monster Kid Radio laboratory. And yeah, the Gamma Trilogy, it's in there. $7.88 for Amazon right now. Now, three quality kaiju films, and we didn't even talk about what happens at the end of the third film that blew my mind. I actually might have pulled a muscle because I was watching it in the morning. My wife was still asleep. This happened. I wanted to get up and cheer, but I knew if I did that, I'd wake her up, and that would be bad. So I held back, and it actually kind of hurt because it was so exciting and mind-blowing and completely unexpected. This trilogy of films, man, it is so good. And because I want the Gamriel love to continue, I want to play a recording that I took at a local event here in Portland a couple of years ago. This is a group called Film Music. Basically what they do is they show movies, but they don't play the audio track. They actually perform the audio live. And a couple of years ago, at an outdoor screening at Southeast Walcrest Park here in Portland, they showed one of the classic Gamera films, and they led us in a sing-along with the classic Gamera March I wasn't doing Monster Kid Radio back then, but I did think to bring my recorder. So we're going to play that, and we'll get on to some other things here on Monster Kid Radio. Yes. 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 Yes.
special announcement time. I want to talk about something that's coming up here on Monster Kid Radio. For months, I've been mentioning that once we hit 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store, we're going to do something special. We're going to launch a spinoff of Monster Kid Radio devoted to nothing but my favorite film of all time, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, Monster Kids? We did it. We have, as of this recording, 53 reviews in the iTunes store. I greatly appreciate everybody's support in the iTunes store and the honest reviews and feedback that you've given me over there. Now that we've hit the 50 review mark, well, that doesn't mean I don't want reviews still. I mean, obviously, the more reviews we get, the higher we get in the iTunes metrics and whatever it is that Apple does when they're showing off podcasts. does nothing but help us out. So we'd appreciate your support there. And... We are going to go ahead and move forward on getting this creature cast up and running. No creature cast is not going to be the name of the podcast that's already been taken by at least two other podcasts. In fact, as of this recording, I have no idea what we're going to call the podcast. It's something that I thought I'd be able to come up with pretty easily. I've actually received some recommendations from a couple of people already, listeners of the show, just emailing me their ideas. And I've got a brain trust of people that have been involved behind the scenes here at Monster Kid Radio from practically the beginning. Been brainstorming with them as well, trying to come up with something. So your guess is as good as mine right now as to what the name of the show will be, but it will happen. How will you get the show? Well, if you already subscribe to Monster Kid Radio, it's going to turn up in the feed anyway. You don't have to do anything special. It's just going to show up on the day that we release the show. No, I will not release this special on a Tuesday or a Thursday because that'll double up on an episode of Monster Kid Radio. And iTunes in particular has a problem with multiple episodes coming out on the same day. So I'm going to pick another day of the month to put it out that's not a Tuesday or Thursday to make that happen. If you're not a regular listener of Monster Kid Radio, and really you probably are if you're listening to this, but if you're not, I'm still going to make the show available through some other means as well. Unfortunately, you've got to stay tuned to Monster Kid Radio to learn how you're going to be able to listen to the show without actually subscribing to the main show proper. The main show's not going anywhere. So this is a special spinoff that I'm doing for you guys and gals and really myself because you helped us hit that 50 review mark. So thank you so much from the bottom of my Gilman loving heart. Let's talk about what's happening next week here on Monster Kid Radio. I've got somebody coming up that has never been on the show before, but he's a Monster Kid through and through. His name's Randy Bowser, and he's going to be on the show. We're going to talk about Boris Karloff. He's a huge Karloff fan. We're going to talk about Randy's Monster Kid background, and we're going to talk about a Kickstarter campaign that he just started for a one-man show called Karloff. As soon as I found out that was happening, I knew I had to talk about it here on Monster Kid Radio. And big thanks to Reber Clark for making that happen. He's actually the person who introduced me to Randy via Facebook. So big thanks to Reber. Randy, can't wait to have you on the show next week here on Monster Kid Radio. After that, it looks like we're going to have Dr. Gain Green back on the show. We're going to talk about a classic Vincent Price film. So got a lot of exciting things coming up here on Monster Kid Radio. Can't wait to share that with you in the next few weeks. In the meantime, remember... The Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Curse of Poseidon. That belongs to King Ghidra. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. With their permission, hope you enjoy it and talk to everybody next week. Uh-huh.